Hi, welcome to entrepreneurs um, and those who are looking into bhakti yoga. Um, today, I want to talk about um, how non-sectarian and broad-minded the bhakti yogis are. Often when we come into spiritual circles or looking for deeper questions to life, do different traditions and stuff, often they can have quite a closed or um, selective in-house kind of perspective on things. But what I always loved about Bhagavad Gita, um, often considered a Hindu book, uh, where actually Hinduism isn't even mentioned in Bhagavad Gita, um, we find an interesting presentation um, of spiritual knowledge from a non-sectarian, broad-minded perspective. This is very unique because often when we look at, obviously, knowledge is disseminated from a core, from a origin in a particular land, place, nation, um, world, so to speak. So obviously, it appears as if it belongs to that people or it's of that people and often when we look at like a lot of traditions and spirituality um often that is the case it's from a certain type of people in a certain time who learned certain things but what is really amazing about bhagavad-gita is its knowledge for all times all places all people and even it says uh even non-human societies which really blows our mind there but for now uh, it's also interplanetary. Um, so when we take up a reading of Bhagavad Gita and learning this text, in fact, the speaker, Krishna, another name for Krishna is Yogeshwara, he is the creator master of the yoga system. And he actually says, I've actually spoken this many, many times in different places, even different planets. Well, that might might be a little bit of a stretch for some of us, but that's okay. We've got we've got to be broad-minded here. Uh, if anyone who's actually studied, like I have, you know, decades of knowledge on interplanetary um, interactions with other species and stuff, that's that's another topic. But there's lots of evidence for that. You can go to the citizens' disclosure, where high-ranking people of all nations have come together and and admitted, yes, we have. There are other life forms out there that we're interacting with. But let's get back to the core here. This broad-mindedness. So Krishna actually says in Bhagavad Gita, if you go to chapter 18, um, he actually says, um, I think it's 10 uh, verse 66, 67 or 68, he says, um, actually abandon all these varieties of this, what we call religion or spirituality and what you think these traditions are. You know, these are all externally um, relative um, I'm speaking knowledge beyond things that have a beginning or an end, that have a relative origin. I'm talking universal principles. You know, you can change your belief. You can change from one tradition to another, one people te people's teachings to another. But you can't change these essential facts. That is, every one of us, despite our beliefs, despite our um, theism, atheism, agnosticism, Whatever you think, you are changing bodies. You are going from one body to another, forced by the laws of nature to go from babyhood, youth to old age. That is a fact. That is unchangeable materially. And you will uh, be born and you will die. These are all things that we 
um, are experiencing despite beliefs and traditions and whatever. It's just like saying, I don't believe in gravity. You know, it's not it's not in my belief system. Uh, well, just jump off a building. So Krishna is giving knowledge in a non-sectarian, broad-minded way um, that gets away from this kind of nationalism, um, religionism, <laughs> our peopleism, skinism. You know, it's really is really amazing. And not only that, in Bhagavad Gita, Krishna doesn't teach a path. He doesn't teach the way out in that sense. He, he actually explains. Look, there are many ways of approaching the absolute truth and the, the, the spiritual scientific understanding of everything. There's many ways, Krishna says, and I'm going to speak about them all. I'm not only going to uh, speak about them, I'm going to tell you the philosophy and understanding the mindset of the, the of each person on that path. I'm not I'm going to tell you what the practices will be and what the result will be. Because Krishna explains again, we have like this idea that absolute has one element like it's oneness, it's just like I get there, but there are actually different angles of approaching the um, knowledge of the absolute, of the source of everything and the truth. And that is like the sun, the sun is the greatest example that's given by the teachers that you have the sun shine, which is the glaring energy of, of the sun, which pervades everything. That is one understanding or partial understanding of the completeness of the sun. Then you have the sun planet, which is localized which is actually the planet itself from which the light emanates. That's also another aspect of the sun. Um, and that's localized in the Sanskrit text. This is called Paramatma realization. This is where the yogi goes in and meets the divine within the heart, the form. It's localized within the heart of every living being. And then you have the leader of the sun planet. Every place has a leader, someone who's or people who are leading it. So you have the leader, the person of who uh, rules that particular planet or uh, oversees it. So you have the leader, the, or should we say the king or the ruler, you have the planet and the sunshine. So all three are part of the same sun. It's all, it's all related. One cannot exist without the other. Yet someone who studies just the sunshine does not have complete knowledge, yet they're studying the same subject matter. So Bhagavad Gita is amazing. It doesn't push anyone's perspective to the side as if it's wrong. It's all encompassing. That's my point. So many people take this oneness path, this idea of Brahman or oneness. Krishna says, yes, yes, that is that is a aspect of the of the truth. It is. That's absolutely true. But it's just not complete. You see, but if you go the other way, People who are into oneness or into a kind of impersonal sort of paths on the spiritual path, they say everything's impersonal. And when you explain, well, actually, there's localized paramatma, there's also the personality of consciousness, the, the person, the supreme conscious being, they go, no, 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 that's just an illusion. Very sectarian, you see, very um, unopen to understanding um, uh, the holistic approach that Krishna is giving in Bhagavad Gita. You'll never, I mean, all my readings since, you know, my early 20s, and I studied religion in anthropology and, and I studied sociology. I read a lot of things, start, looked in different realms and Zen Buddhism and shamanism, witchcraft, Aborigines of Australia, American Indians. You know, you, 
I haven't found anything that really gives that whole picture, that broad mindedness. So this this podcast is really to really allow yourself to open up to how broad Bhagavad Gita is, how it's it's not pushing anyone out the way. In fact, Krishna talks about ancestor kind of cultures that worship ancestors that exist in other realms. He goes ghosts or the idea of spirits. He talks about everything, all inclusive. And he puts every the jigsaw together and explains how connecting to these different paths and different connections from ancestors to higher beings to oneness people there, there is a journey and there's an ultimate goal that everyone can finally reach but to say well it's just about ancestors there's no supreme or conscious being or it's all about oneness and anything beyond that form and qualities the idea of a supreme conscious being that's that's not true that's illusion these are very very actually sectarian in some sense like kind of saying that's wrong. But whereas Krishna's not like that. Krishna's explaining all the different ways that people try to approach the supreme absolute truth. So this is really, really important to understand what you have your hands on and the comprehensiveness of the Bhagavad Gita. Now it's a lot to digest. It's a lot of knowledge compressed into a two-hour conversation that Krishna spoke a few thousand years ago, 5,000 years ago. And that's been kept intact. Again, Bhagavad Gita has kept its purity in that the Sanskrit is unchanged. And Sanskrit is a very precise language that cannot be, um, uh, it has scientific terms like Atma, meaning you know, unit of consciousness. And it's got some um, concepts in there that um, are really very specific. So it's very easy to understand. Uh, the meaning <clears throat> and then the Sanskrits remain the same. So this is very unique. So really um, today's about getting that wider perspective and appreciating what Bhagavad Gita really has to offer um, and how it's really going to connect all the dots. So I like the analogy of a jigsaw. Now, people say, well, my part of the jigsaw is the right part of the jigsaw. That part of the jigsaw is wrong. If you don't have my jigsaw, you know, Krishna is saying, no, here's all the pieces and it puts it all together. And you get that whole holistic picture. And then at the end of Bhagavad Gita, Krishna even says to Arjuna, now I've showed you the, the different ways people approach the absolute truth, approach me, how the practices are there, what the result will be, you know, the, the different challenges and the different ways that you can approach to understand the completeness of the sun, sunshine, and the sun leader, the uh, the leader of uh, um, supreme, like another name for Krishna, is um, is Purusholtama or yeah, um, Ishrada Paramishrada. He's the leader of everyone. Then he says, "I give you all that knowledge, and now what you can do: deliberate on what I have spoken, and then do what you choose to do. Choose what you want to do." So. This is the um, really the beauty that I really liked about coming across Bhagavad Gita. It, it, it slowly and surely through tuition, through coaching, through being around those who practiced and read like any study that you would do. Even at university, you need tutors, you need people who have been around, who, who have realization of that knowledge. You can slowly, slowly connect these dots in time. So 
let's um, appreciate Bhagavad Gita and hear and read it from beginning to end. Try to go through it methodically. And of course, as you go on, it deepens into more deeper areas. But at least chapter two, you just beginning chapter two and uh, where Krishna begins his teachings at text 12. Even those first 30 verses, you can understand more and can have more clarity about who you are, what is the body-mind, what is the self, and what is the source of you. In just those 30 texts alone, you'll surpass all the confusion and all these, even psychologists and persons in the and um, in the institutions of education and study, they're still bewildered about what the self is. What is the self? People talk about self-realization, Um liking oneself, trying to love others. What is the other? Are they just physiology and, bi and biology? Uh, are they just psychology and a combination? This is bewildering. No, there's no total agreement or, or consensus on what is the self and who we are. Yet in 30 verses in chapter two, which I highly recommend you begin reading if you haven't read Bhagavad Gita, you can read the introduction, of course, and there's a setting of a scene in chapter one. There's lots of names and you don't know who they are, what's going on. That will have meaning and relevancy later. Um, but so you can just move through that understanding there's a great scene happening where this is going to be spoken. And by chapter two, you see that Arjuna has got to where we are in life. Confused, anxious. How did I get here? Why are these things happening? Why is there a global lockdown? Why is tragedy happening? Why are people becoming divided? It's exactly what's going on for Arjuna in the Bhagavad Gita. And then Krishna is speaking. This is when we're probably most ready to hear the knowledge. <laughs> and Krishna is showing you that's the nature of this world. There's, all, there's a famous saying in the material world, in this world, there's war and strife and struggle and occasionally peace breaks out <laughs> you may notice that in your own life and in your own relationships sometimes you get some peace <laughs> krishna is saying in the material world it's an ocean of becoming and unbecoming and the nature of this world is calamities can just just suddenly sweep the whole globe second world wars um, tsunamis um, environmental issues now we have uh, lockdown and we're all shocked, but Krishna's telling you, here with Arjuna, it's happening to him. A family world is divided. It's the it's a world war. Relatives are actually at each other and gonna fight each other. Right now there's divisions over, you know, maybe even challenges and people are coming divided by whether you should be vaccinated or not. I'm not getting into the whatever side, but just see it's creating division. And even on even family members I've seen, they're falling out with their other family members. One's trying to say, don't take it. They're saying, why aren't you taking it? This is the nature of this world. We end up in situations. How did it get to this? How did I end up here? Is that relevant to whatever your faith, beliefs, um, ideas of the world are, whether you're atheistic, whether you're theistic or in between? Krishna is telling you this is. This is what happens in this world. Whatever your beliefs are, whatever your traditions are, you will end up in these situations. What are you going to do? What are you going to do? How are you going to make sense of it all? So actually, Krishna, chapter two, you notice he kind of smiles slightly at Arjuna. Just see, he's bewildered. He's supposedly a very learned, knowledgeable man, very cultured, yet he has become bewildered. And of course, Arjuna, like all of us now, have been humbled by the way the world's working. 
we're now ready to receive that seed of knowledge. And Krishna begins to teach. So this is key. I want you to get excited about the Bhagavad Gita and understand that when we enter into this spiritual text, and it talks about how to be even smart materially. Yes, that's an addition here. Krishna teaches you, if you don't want to be theistic, even know that there's an absolute truth. Here is how to understand karma. Here's the science and principles, how you can get things in this world if you want to stay here and work with the program. He actually teaches you success principles way beyond Napoleon Hill and Tony Robbins or entrepreneurs. These success principles, they've been figuring out. But Krishna teaches you, if you want good karma, you want to act. Karma means to act and to work in this world to get a certain result. There are laws that you are under. You're under the grip of laws. What does it matter who you are, whether you're a Christian, a Muslim, an atheist, a spiritualist, a Zen Buddhist, shamanist, um, you have to work within these laws. Again, this is Bhagavad Gita. It's not considering all your relatives' beliefs and ideas. It's giving you the facts. And how do you know it's facts? If you apply what Krishna says, if you enter into the laboratory, you will get the result. You can actually see this happening in your life. But Arjuna, as we say, he's now situated in a calamity. So we're all experiencing that individually, nationally, globally. So now is the time to sink yourself into the Bhagavad Gita. Try to see it with that open heart perspective. Krishna's not trying to get you into a single-minded, limited perspective, poverty perspective on things. He wants you to have a growth mindset. He's going to show you the whole picture, but are you ready to hear? He's he's not an ordinary, how, he cannot be ordinary Krishna if he can see all this and explain it with such clarity. He can explain it with such clarity. And that Bhagavad Gita has been spoken and even pre that, that time it was re-spoken. Even the last 5,000 years, it's been affirmed by the greatest um, sages and wise people. And all this yoga and meditation, mindfulness, it all comes from the Bhagavad Gita. Of course, no one's tracing it back or acknowledging that. They're making good money out of it. <laughs> It's a billion-dollar industry, mindfulness. And even psychologists I've dealt, dealt with, they, they're not even acknowledging. They, they're saying this is their new research. They're just taking stuff from, from these ancient teachings. So I want you to uh, embrace the adventure and enter into Bhagavad Gita knowing that you're going to get clarity. And you can choose at the end. Krishna does say, if you really want to understand it and get to the end, you then hear from my practitioner, the person who's lived, who's connected to me, who, who's, who's guided by me and who is, who is actually practicing what's in the book. Don't hear commentaries and read from people who are not actually my bhakta, my, my devotee, my practitioner, my um, um, anyone who's not actually uh, practicing Krishna consciousness or bhakti yoga. So this is um, hoping very useful. I hope it's inspiring. I allow you to embrace the Bhagavad Gita with its broad mindedness. And it's being spoken in a time right now. It's no different for Arjuna that, uh, for us than it is for Arjuna right now. Can we open up and listen to Bhagavad Gita? Hear what Krishna says. And you can make your own mind up. And the presentation is covering a lot of ground. So on that note, I want to uh, you know, continue. You know, if you are chanting Hare Krishna, that mantra that is 
that frees the mind and reconnects us to our non-material self. Read the Bhagavad Gita to understand the self, who we are and what we're part of. And that combination of chanting and reading transcendental knowledge together, it, it, it fast tracks you. There are paths, many paths, as Krishna says. But bhakti is a fast track. It's like getting in the elevator. Rather than going up the stairs, step by step, and stopping off on different floors, Krishna says, get in the elevator. So Krishna's not pushing any other ideas of, of how to approach the absolute away. Who else is doing it like that? Who is as broad-minded as a bhakti yogi? Hare Krishna.